The following is for entertainment purposes only. While the information may be somewhat accurate, the hosts are by no means, how do I put this politely, historical authorities. Enjoy the podcast. Fact on history is the craziest thing that you've ever heard. Fact on history is the wackiest thing in the whole wide world. It's all true. And welcome to That Darn History, a trivial look back at where we've been and why it's embarrassing. I'm John. I'm Mark. And Mark. And today we're taking a look at the events of 1911. Right. 1911. Year 1911. Okay. Uh, And our first story uh, is uh, January 2nd, 1911. This is the day that R... Oh, no. This is the day that Ray R. Myers is born. Let me start again. Jesus. Need a rim shot? (laughs) (laughs) January 2nd, 1911, Ray R. Myers is born, and he would go on to become known as the world-famous armless musician. Wow. Oh, my God. He made a huge career out of it. So he's born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and in high school band, he played the trombone. With his feet. With his feet. Of course. (laughs) That's amazing. And his mouth. (laughs) We hope. Somebody else's mouth. (laughs) he moved his feet by somebody else playing (laughs) this guy overcame a lot (laughs) he overcame a lot so so later years with his left foot he held the neck of the guitar and with his right he held a small pick and strummed it holy I can't how even configure that. How, how I do he, wait, wait, wait. Yoga, so how, I couldn't figure that out. So, so, he, so let me repeat. So, with his left foot, he held the neck of the, neck guitar, of the guitar on the ground, right. and right. with his right, he held oh, a that small, I see. small right. pick and strummed it. I was going to say, if he held it like a normal guitar, I'd question it because <laughs> that would be impossible <laughs> yes. to configure yourself. So, on the floor, I get that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, make, again, the how trombone. How did he play a trombone? Well, yeah, well, the trombone you could see because he kind of holds it with one foot and yeah. slides it with another. another yeah. But what was it? What was the other instrument? It was guitar. The guitar. Right? Anyway, he meets Robert Ripley of Ripley's, believe it or, uh, or not, uh, oddities, and he becomes a radio star. Wow. And he works at several radio stations, jumping around. And by 1953, he had a daily radio show in West Virginia. The armless musician had a daily radio. Um, show. Did, was it? Was there a name to the show? Did it have? Here a comes the punchline. I'm waiting <laughs> for it. It, it. it was called No Jazz Hands Today. <laughs> <laughs> he became a radio star, and he he died in 1986 at the age of 75. Where did he die of? Oh. Oh. <laughs> he was trying to swim. <laughs> That's horrible. Uh, horrible. We're horrible. We're going to That's hell. Terrible. And this is the first one. We're starting it's off. All with this. This is... It's all up from here, fellas. It's all up from here. Certainly, certainly hope so. So what's what's next? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Get me out of that. Uh, uh, January seventh, the world's first downhill skiing race is held. What, 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 what were the rest? Uphill. <laughs> well well that was my question if that's the first was there an uphill skiing race that i would what, like to see what country uh it was in the alps it was in switzerland the crons montana uh four thousand feet 20 competitors climbed to a hut up on the plain morte glacier nobody's nobody has ever downhill skied ever until that day until 1911 until 1911 oh Oh well, I guess race. I guess race. Well, they're, oh, yeah, race. they're all okay, racing because... each other down the hill. 
wasn't skiing like just a means of getting somewhere for some folks? Yeah. What, and what did, you know? did they just accidentally go down the hill and claim it was skiing? Yeah, and then suddenly these guys turned it into a sport. They didn't. They didn't mention the avalanche that yeah. was pursuing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, that's what it said. said. The avalanche came in second. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's that's the thing. That's the thing. That's great. So what was the guy's name? He came in first and the avalanche came in. Uh, Cecil Hopkinson. Now, what, obviously, since this was new, he was not a ski athlete. He wasn't like a, a, a pro. So what did you, do you know what he did by any chance? Uh, he uh, sold uh, snow cones. <laughs> <laughs> Before or after the competition. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That's It was 1911. You know, people were still figuring things out. Yes. Oh, God. Well, racing. Right. First. 4,000 uh, feet. Yes. 4,000. Straight down. That's right. Straight down. No witnesses, no spectators, no witnesses, nothing. Moving on. <laughs> no, no, no witnesses. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, I forgot. It says here they made it all up. This is so far fascinating. <laughs> I've learned more about disabled individuals and in skiing than I've ever learned in my lifetime. Yes. Yes. I'm glad I picked these historical nuggets. <laughs> so January 10th, 1911 marks the fastest temperature drop on record. Oh, okay. Uh, this was in Rapid City, South Dakota, where at 7 a.m. it was 55 degrees Fahrenheit and 15 minutes later it was 8 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my god. Wow. So it dropped from 55 Jesus. to 8 in 15 minutes. Wow. Well, why? Uh, just they were bored. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I don't have it. You know, it's just the weather. Oh, well, it, it was just the weather. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a big bird flew over and blocked the sun or something. It was, you know. Yes, yes, yes. Well, well here's another uh, factoid. Two days later, uh, Rapid City sets another record when at 6 a.m. it was 49 degrees and two hours later it was 13 below zero. That's a lot more than a cold snap. Yeah, that's like a cold smack. It's cold right in the face. And, Jesus, and speaking cold. of weather, on March 9th, 1911, a record was set in the United States for the greatest depth of snowfall ever on record. Uh, it was at Yosemite National Park. Uh, the snowfall was 37 feet, 10 inches. That's crazy. 37 what? feet. Yes. Are you saying for a whole, a whole winter, or are you talking about that was a day? It was a day. No, that's impossible. How could you dump that much snow? In Yosemite. Uh, yes, Yosemite National Park, California, Tamar Tamarack Flat. That's so 37 feet. Yes. That's amazing. How is that even possible? An hour later, Cecil Hopkinson skied down. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pissed his name yeah. in the snow, did he? <laughs> yes, he did. Pissing his, snow, pissing his name all the way. And Ray Myers wrote a song about it with his guitar on the floor. <laughs> Catchy, is catchy. that him playing or falling? Is that <laughs> he was actually skiing down Half Dome, Half Dome on his guitar. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So January thirteenth, nineteen eleven. It was. A We're still in January. Well, I'm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yes. Wait till it gets to February. <laughs> Can't happen soon enough. <laughs> I'm exhausted. January 17th, 1911. Jesus, we're still in January. <laughs> okay. January 17th, 1911, a German submarine sank in the North Atlantic, but 27 of the 30 men crew were saved when they shot themselves to the surface via the tube's torpedo tubes. I do remember that. I remember reading that. I remember going through that. <laughs> 
<laughs> what a bachelor party. Except the last guy who's like, <laughs> who's going to push the button for me? Ooh. I'm sitting <laughs> Oh, How did they get propelled out of the tubes? Yeah. They had propeller. They, they were, it was a shipment of propeller beanies. Maybe yeah. either that or they had propeller underwear. I think that's what it is. It's propeller they underwear. They called me crazy when I suggested propeller underwear. <laughs> now it is safe 27 minutes. I see clouds. Put away your inventive drawings and come and take care of the family. No, no, I have a dream. Someday, I promise you, <laughs> it would come in handy. <laughs> January 18th. Oh, come on. Would you like a very day? <laughs> let, me, let me guess. All the, all the good... Stuff yeah, happened. In it January. gets quicker. Go ahead. January eighteenth, nineteen eleven, marks the first time a pilot landed an airplane on a ship. Oh, mm. intentionally? Uh, well, I wondered that too, but it turns out, yes, it was intentional. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah. this is nineteen eleven, and so the whole world, the nation, is agog about man flight. In and so all these daredevils are trying different stunts. Some of them are making money, some of them are getting killed. And so this guy, I guess it was part of a air show or air circus or something, and he was like, hey, I'm going to try to land this Curtis biplane on a ship. So he landed on the deck of the USS Pennsylvania, 13 miles out at sea from an airfield in San Francisco. <clears throat> there was a movie. There's an old movie oh. about that. About the first aircraft carrier. Well, I think here it is. Let's roll the film. Is, uh... All right. He's coming in. He's coming in too fast. Too fast. Oh, no. Love both. Thanks for showing that movie. <laughs> I hated that movie. I pray it was shot on nitrate. You prayed for a fire. <laughs> just so that film burns. <laughs> Where you, Mark, Mark, you, you, that was a movie? You saw that movie? I did see a movie. It yeah. was called Yank My Plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, January 26th. 1911, aviator Roger Summer set a record for the number of passengers on an airplane. Mm -hmm. So he took five passengers on a 13-mile trip across France. Right, yeah. uh, the, he uh, set the previous, the previous record had been set in 1910 right. when somebody took four people on a flight. So he took 13. Yeah. No, no, he took five. Somebody right. took... Somebody took four. Right. He breaks it with five. Then on <laughs> February 2nd, 1911, yes. uh, somebody flies seven people on an airplane, yeah. breaking Sumner's record. That guy's name was Captain Billinger, the French Army. Right. And then on March 24th, someone went back up in the air and flew 13 people wow. across France. Air France was born that day. <laughs> so... Did, did they build planes to carry passengers or did they just no they were biplanes with 13 people hanging off of it <laughs> that's no seriously that's they were taped to the like, wings taped, taped to the fuselage and i have to assume 30 like they're sitting on people's laps and stuff he took off a 13 but how many did he land with <laughs> right. oh, i i buried the lead yes he he half a person landed. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, February 18th, 1911, Bill Miner commits his final holdup. Oh. And he was a famous stagecoach robber oh. in the 19th century. He got he got caught, went to jail. Then when he got out in 1901, the times had changed and stagecoaches were on the way out. What is this? So he yeah. started a new career as a train robber. Oh. And his final <laughs> holdup took place in Georgia. He stole $3,500 from a Southern Railroad Express train. And here's the part. Here's the part I enjoyed. Uh, they said by then he was 64 years old and, quote, was barely able to hold his six-gun straight. 
Ah, uh, that's the way my wife talks to me. <laughs> Insert the rim shot. <laughs> Here's two notes. One, this is a stick up. Two, could you hold the gun up for me? So what does he do? Does he like stand by the track as the train goes by and puts his gun out and says, halt. Hey, give me some money. <laughs> and then Cecil Hopkinson skied over and him. One of the 13 people fell off the plane and killed him. <laughs> Landed right on top of him as he was robbing the train to Calais. Right. He was confounded when he, he met the armless musician. <laughs> And said, you know, stick them up. Confounded, I say. Confounded. Confounded. Spe speaking of stuff that confounds, February 24th, 1911. In 1911. Pope Pius X announces that he dislikes the harem skirt. <laughs> well, they should make him wear something else. <laughs> 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 I yes. don't like that skirt. <laughs> All right, but it matches your eyes. <laughs> Me, I'm the Pope. I got a reputation for you to think about. It makes it your up. ass look big. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Of, of all the things that the Pope could say uh, uh, that become news of that year, that's I'm glad you asked. So again, it's 1911. 1911. Uh, <laughs> and the harem skirt was a new Paris fashion, and basically it was sort of baggy pants gathered in at the ankle. Yeah, yeah. If you can, if you can imagine this, so it's like the shock of seeing a woman essentially wearing pants. Pants. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he warned that wearing them could cause women of one class, ladies, yeah. to be mistaken <laughs> for women of another class, whores. <laughs> <laughs> people were losing their minds yeah they were losing their minds over these pants apparently in new zealand a department store announced that they were going to show the skirt on a living model at 3 p.m and 3,000 people showed up wow they tried it on a dead model <laughs> but only four people showed <laughs> <laughs> well april april 19th 1911 in the australian city of, of uh, bendigo an elderly man got knocked down and crushed oh, by a large god. crowd that was following a woman wearing a harem skirt oh my god uh, it's interesting how like women can get people killed Is, that's the only lesson you're taking from this <laughs> It's interesting how pants can get people killed. <laughs> yes, I think, yeah, the, the lesson here is pants will get you killed. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, that's fascinating. And oh my gosh, what a sensation, huh? From a pair of pants. Harem pants. Yeah, I'm, pantaloons. I got to lay down. I'm. I'm getting a fever just talking about the pantaloons. <laughs> April 12th, 1911, the shortest Major League Baseball game occurs. It's completed in 50 minutes. That's my kind of baseball <laughs> game. Go ahead. I know. Uh, it's the season opener between the Phillies and the New York Giants at the Polo Grounds. Yeah. The Phillies won 2-0. to zero. Now, uh, September 28th, 1919, the same two teams played a game that lasted 51 minutes. One, two, three, you're out. 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 Yeah. That is like a Bugs Bunny episode. It really is. <laughs> like the teams have to take take the field. Right. Like the one team has to get off the field. Is there change? So are they like just right. running full blast? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not going to be done with my beer by the end of this game. <laughs> yes. What was the reason for it going so fast? Well, and also, I mean, it wasn't like a giant stadium. You know, they're just playing out in a cornfield or something. I don't know. I fucking don't know. <laughs> Johnny No Facts Kearns. I don't know. <laughs> 
So September 29th, 1919, the next day, the same two teams played an 18-inning game, and then the next night, the Polar Grounds burned to the ground. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I have to assume that the fire was generated by the friction of them moving so fast. Nine is pushing it. Going full bore, I'm sure. That is it. No bad, 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 bad. Swing. Yes. Oh, no bad, bad, bad. Swing. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. April 19th, 1911. It's a Wednesday, in case you're keeping track at home. Of course. Uh, April 19th, in 1911. 1911, <laughs> at the Theater de Monte Carlo, ballet dancer Vaslav Nijinsky stunned the audience with his exit when he soared into the air on wires and went out an open window. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. It doesn't it say it was window. intentional. Never to be seen again. <laughs> <laughs> What was it? What was the piece of music again? What was uh, it, it was a performance of Les Specter de la Rose. Translated means out the window. <laughs> <laughs> they should have seen it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Thus, the Nutcracker Ballet was born. Uh, a nod to how he landed. <laughs> June 27th, 1911. Stunt pilot Lincoln Beachley pulled off one of the greatest aerial stunts ever at mm -hmm. Niagara Falls, New York, when he flew over the center of Horseshoe Falls, made a vertical dive through the mist towards the river below, pulled up, flew under the 168-foot lower steel wow. arch bridge, and barely cleared the Canadian cliffs before Oh, look at He that. was drunk off his ass. <laughs> <laughs> He was flying and he dropped his Starbucks. <laughs> what was the guy's name again? Guy's name was Lincoln Beachley, aviator. That's extraordinary. Lincoln Beachley. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Beachley, yes. I understand you have an idea of something sort of spectacle you'd like to perform. I'm going to fly under the falls. <laughs> It's just. I'll it, let myself out um, <laughs> through the window. Zing! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. But also another Niagara Fall uh, uh, historical event on July twenty fifth, nineteen eleven. Bobby Leach became the first man to ride over Niagara Falls in a barrel and survive. Oh my wow. God. But he had a fractured jaw. Right. He broke his kneecaps and yeah. spent six months in the hospital recovering from his injuries. Wow. Uh, I'm gonna go over the falls and I'll. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, he did stunts for a living like uh, shooting rapids and parachute drops and in his 60s he attempted to swim the falls whirlpool rapids Here I go. Oh he failed after several attempts and had to be rescued right. yeah <laughs> you don't know so here's something even <laughs> crazier uh, eventually he died of injuries after slipping on an orange peel oh stop Zing! So, <laughs> how is that even possible so the man survives 17 story plunge in niagara falls but dies because he slipped on an orange peel yeah yeah wow so the lesson is this you could slip over the falls yeah yes slip yes. on an orange yes. peel yes. Yes. yes 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 listen to that kids make a note make a note that's awesome uh october 4th 1911 the first viable elevator became operational. Wow. charles <laughs> seberg designed it it was located at earl's court underground station in steam London. operated or electric or 
cables, chains. I do not have that information. Oh, just, you know, <laughs> what was the capacity? 13. The same as the airport. <laughs> <laughs> the same 13 people got in a barrel and went over nine <laughs> yes. Has there ever been a multiple attempt with more than one person in the barrel? How, how many people can you fit in the barrel first? Like a party barrel? <laughs> Dude, I leased a party barrel. I leased one, man. It's cool. Hold 20. Yes. There's a whole new business. Yes. <laughs> Let me guess. Bachelor party? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I can see why you're marrying him. <laughs> He's always interesting. <laughs> she's fishing him out of the water. Face <laughs> down in the water. with a. She's got a hook. <laughs> yes. October 7th, 1911, Elmer McCurdy was shot and killed during a shootout with lawmen in Oklahoma. Uh, they had tracked him down after a botched train robbery three days earlier. 65 years later, in December of 1976, a TV crew would discover that a dummy on display in a Long Beach amusement park was actually McCurdy's mummified body. Oh my God, it was at Pike. It was at the Pike. You remember this? <laughs> at the Pike in Long Beach. I remember hearing about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. What well, they. They said, well, one, they found it in the funhouse and they realized that it was a dummy uh, and it was actually McCurdy's body when his arm broke off and revealed muscle and bone. Oh, oh my God. What was his name? Elmer what? Uh, Elmer McCurdy. Elmer McCurdy. That is a great story. It's amazing. 1977, they finally gave him a proper burial in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, no, that's never a proper burial to be buried in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Never. That's... No. That's the lesson. That's the lesson we learned. From Rather be buried in a fun house. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have your mummified body in, in, a, in a fun house? Pop <laughs> me up there. <laughs> right. December twenty first, nineteen eleven. Uh, the first arm robbery to use a getaway car occurs. That had to be a slow speed chase coming up for that too, <laughs> right. correct? Well, it was a limo. They were making limos in nineteen eleven. Yeah, the Bonnet Gang. Two members of the Bonnet Gang stepped out of the limo, pointed pistols at the at a courier, uh, and his bodyguard demanded the money. And when the courier resisted, they shot him, stole the money case, and hopped back. Well, into I mean, the limo. did they? Okay, so where this happened in France? France, Paris, Paris. People call it Paris. We we Robin style. And what brought what the what Bonnet Gang? B O N N O T. Are you sure it's not Bonnet? Well, well, that yeah, that too probably. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 they and they and they jumped out. They pulled up in a limo in front of a bank. Uh, the Society General Bank uh, robbed a courier for the bank, and uh, and they used a stolen limousine. Oh. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> Whatever happened to the Bonnets or the Bonner? Bonner raced Bonner. away being driven by their gang leader, Jules Bonnet. There you go. Sure. So that was the first recorded armed robber. Happened to be a guy with a notebook walking by. He's like, I better write that down. <laughs> <laughs> this might be important someday on a podcast. I don't even know what a podcast is. It's 1911. <laughs> I'm crazy. Why am I speaking English? It's, <laughs> it's off the chain. Oh my God. <laughs> so I have moved into a couple of items that are dates unknown, but are fascinating. Says you. Go ahead. But it's but it's still but it's still 1911. Still 1911. Yes, so yes. in 1911, the children's book Tom Swift and his electric rifle was published. See. And years <laughs> later, the book's title would be abbreviated and used as the name for the first non-lethal weapon known as the taser. That's good trivia. Right. Like the abbreviation one. taser stands for Tom A. Swift electric rifle. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. 
I may let me listen. I may listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> what next there, Mr. Host of the Mostest? Oh, okay. One more uh, date unknown in 1911. The first movie to show an actor's penis debuted. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it, it was in the Italian film Dante's Inferno. I bet it was. And the Pope said nothing about it. <laughs> I don't like those skirts, but I like that Inferno movie. Right. He was prancing around in his little outfit. <laughs> so, okay. So, who, who was the uh, actor? That's the only information I have. You know, okay. His name was Vincenzo Longdong. <laughs> Vincenzo Longdong. Well, it said his, his penis was so long it went through all nine rings of hell. Is it really nine rings? I thought it was seven rings. Was I think it's nine. Are and, and you going to make me look up two things now? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it was. It was loosely adapted. I bet you it was loosely adapted. <laughs> that's what it was. And a pee-pee in front of Uh-oh, uh-oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so that's fascinating. I didn't know that's, that's, and that was like a commercial release, right? That was a big The deal. film was restored and has a new score by Tangerine Dream. Scores to sleep by. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And and the sad thing about it is, yes. is that uh, Bobby Leach stepped on a Tangerine Dream and died. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do his penis during Dante's Inferno. It's crazy. Oh, yes. It says right here, 13 people were taped to his penis. It's a crazy movie. The big finale. Uh, <laughs> he went over Niagara Falls and his penis was so long, it took him a week to go over. <laughs> that's the best. Well, that's fascinating. Now, that's everything that you were able to find for 1911. Uh, yes. From barrels to penises, he found it all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am sorry to say, gentlemen, I'm all out of history. History for 1911. Oh. oh, well. Okay, if you say so. And that's enough. You know, I did find a quote. This was fascinating. This was fascinating from the historian J.M. Roberts, who said, Distant history still clutters up our lives and our thinking. <laughs> Which is what and we we're just so did glad today. To, yes. We're so glad to we're perpetuate that. Yes. Thank you very much. That. Yeah. Play, Don. That history is the craziest thing that you've ever heard. That darn history is the wackiest thing in the whole wide world It's all true With Mark, John, and Mark If you enjoyed That Darn History Please share and let us know what you think by posting a comment Just search for That Darn History On any of your favorite social media outlets And thanks for listening